Welcome to Card Is Going to Change, presented by AIW and sponsored by Smart Mark Video and the This Is Awesome Wrestling Show. We've got a great show for you this week. I'm your host, Glenn Moore, joined here in studio by John Thorne and Chandler Biggins, the co-owners of AIW. And this week is about some alumni. This is volume two of AIW alum. And these two guys do not know the list of names I have picked to talk about, whether good or bad. We're going to be talking about six, seven, eight different uh, men or women who have come to AIW and competed, even if it was one time or a thousand times or whatever. They will be talking about them. And the first person I'm going to be picking on this list, and we talked about some other guys in Volume 1, so if you're thinking about, oh, Seth Rollins and whatnot, go back to Volume 1. It's there. Don't worry. We hit on him. First person I want to talk about is Ricochet. I want to know about him. Oh, Ricochet. Ricochet. I don't know. Ricochet was actually one of the guys that we tried to get for the Jimmy Wang Yang spot uh, at AW Against the World. Uh, but things didn't work out. Uh, we only booked Ricochet, Ricochet. Well, we booked him twice. Uh, the first time we booked him at Absolution Five, and he wrestled uh, Shima Zion, which because he was already in town for Chikara, because they ran the afternoon. So yeah. then we were able to get him in the evening. We like doubled up on him, so that was like I don't know what year that was, like 2010 or something. That was the Brian Danielson show, yeah. Yeah. So um, the legend, as legend has it, is supposedly that match is what got DJZ hired for TNA. Um, they had, a, they fucking, they did it all. Uh, it was awesome. Um, and then we booked him another time, and he canceled, like, the day of because he said he hurt his ankle or something. And we had to book Jimmy Jacobs, like, on... Jimmy Jacobs was, like, always the go-to guy on four hours' notice. He would yeah, always Jim- He would always accept a booking, which He was, was the king new utility player. Which is... Now that you know he can no longer accept bookings, really screws us. Uh, fucking screws us when people cancel. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs was by far the unknown MVP of AIW. I, th- I think the first time you ever legitimately booked him that he wasn't a fill-in, he's like, "Who am I replacing?" And you're like, "No, man, we're trying to book you." And he's like, "What?" Yeah, we were trying to book him like in well, well, well in advance, and he was like uh, so shocked. But I mean, you know, we booked Ricochet before. You know, he was, uh, you know, the the gigantic deal that he is today um you know we 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 hadn't talked to him in for years uh after you know the the last minute cancellation because that's just how we are we like to hold grudges uh but uh he had been cut he recently has been you know sending out feelers and you know had people like ethan page reaching out to us and stuff so when uh chris hero canceled he was definitely one of the guys that we were trying to Locked down for AW against the world. It just didn't work out. It just couldn't happen. So, uh, yeah, there's that, that. There's really not much, uh, much more to the story of booking Ricochet. You know, he he only ended up ever having one match on Absolution Five. It's actually up for free on the AW YouTube. Ricochet and versus Shima there, Zion. There's a uh, famous quote that I'll use in this situation: is he doesn't seem like a guy I'd be friends with in real life. <laughs> okay, why you say that? He just comes off a little cocky. <laughs> Chandler's like the cocky ones, huh? I don't like the cocky ones. He likes, he just likes, I don't know what he likes. He likes guys that are over the age of 55. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> if Ricochet had a uh, USWA run, he'd be my favorite wrestler. <laughs> this is also our argument all the time is, hey, let's book this guy. And then it's like, no, like, let's book this guy that hasn't wrestled since 1991. And it's like, Did a step. Let's, let's find a happy medium somewhere. We got to. <laughs> 
You know, we, we, we got to book some of the guys that All are good, too. All I'm saying too. is if you want high flyers, Tony Falk and Superstar Bill Dundee are available. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's move on. All right. Let's move on to my second name on the list, Drake Younger. Oh, the... I, uh, I, every time I hear Godsmack, man, I think of good memories of Drake. Drake was one of my favorite guys ever. Man, Drake, the, you know, Drake's a former absolute champion. I, I couldn't tell you how many times we brought Jake in. It's more times than I could probably count. But uh, I know the, the first time we brought him in, I it was... 2007. Yeah, and it was right when, like, AIW was, like, in the middle of the be- like beginning of the epic Cleveland Wrestling Wars where there was all these different promotions all battling over the same 100 fans. So my genius idea was I'll do death matches because I don't have to pay myself and then we'll just bring in these death match guys and, and then I, I'm I'll just sh- let I'll just let them beat me up and hopefully that I will uh you know people want to come see that and I could never in a million years remember why cuz you know it was so long ago but for whatever reason, not only were you going to have a death match, but we were going to book Drake Younger and the Necro Butcher for the match, which it was two against one at that point, basically. Yeah, I'm a f- idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think maybe we were trying to book Necro, and then he he like was being wishy washy, so we booked. You Drake. were super about Drake Younger, I know that. I was and- super for Necro and Drake, which we'll get to my relationship with Necro on another episode, but. Necro and Drake were like my two favorite guys on the independence of that time. Yeah, two, like 2007. This is like, you know. Their peaks. Peak like IWA Mid-South, like CZW stuff. Um, so Well, uh, and that was the, the year prior at your grandma's Christmas party. We all watched Tournament <laughs> Death in, your, uh, in yeah. your room. Yeah, that was how we spent Christmas Eve one year. with like 27 people packed into my little bedroom watching <laughs> uh, Deathmatch tournaments. Uh <laughs> Because that's when deathmatch wrestling was. I, I don't know if it's ever been hotter than. And I don't think it'd ever then. get back to that point. But uh, yeah, the whole the whole purpose, honestly, to booking Drake for the first time was, I don't have to pay myself, so I'm just gonna put myself in these really dangerous situations and hope people want to come see that more than the other four companies that were running the Cleveland Cleveland area at the time. Uh, and then you know we just hit it off and. Uh, well, because the first day he got in early, the first time in, at Hell on Earth 3 in 2007, and we all went out to eat, um, and at the end, I remember you being like, you whispered to me like, oh man, it won't probably won't be that bad tonight. But then Drake was just the happiest man alive because this was his first time in Cleveland, and he is the world's biggest Bone Thugs and Harmony fan. So he recognized every, like, oh, that's the bridge from that's this That's the bridge video. from the first of the month video. <laughs> Like that is honestly that is honestly probably what uh, was really the key to our friendship with Drake Younger was uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony being from Cleveland, and Ohio. And Drake loves to drop two one six on everybody. Yeah. Hey man, it's two one six. And uh, <laughs> you know he came in so many times, and you know Drake has been very vocal about you know his kind of dark you know the dark road that he went down when he got super into uh, bad stuff. Yeah, and like. Uh, when he was probably into it when we first met him, but he got really dark a couple years into us booking him. One like one story, one great story is at my 25th birthday party. Drake, Drake and Josh uh, both came. It was uh, an epic birthday party where my friends uh, did in-house call strippers. Um, so it was just like I don't know, 50 people. And then, like, strippers playing beer pong and stuff. And then Drake Younger and Josh Prohibition were there. And uh, we ended up getting so drunk. And then after, you know. The well, st- I was with them. 
And that was the time where our ride abandoned us at your house and we had no way back. So you guys were going to like an after party at a bar. Yeah, we went to like an after stripper party after like a walking distance. Yeah, after nobody could afford to pay the strippers there to play beer pong any longer. Uh, and we went to a bar and we got real drunk and Drake was so drunk he passed out. Well, nobody could find him. Oh, yeah, nobody could find him. And then someone finds him passed I out. I found him. In a yeah, in in a snow pile, and he thought that he was at the ECW arena getting ready to do a promo. He uh, I, we're, we can't find Drake, so I checked the bathroom, not in there. Well, out back there's like a gazebo to like smoke in, and he was back there even though there was feet of snow. This is like in the middle of like the one one of the worst times in uh, you know, December, and he is in a big Gore-Tex fur coat uh, with the fur hood. And he has passed out of the snow pile. And I'm like hitting him like, Drake, man, you got to wake up. And he's like, boss, boss, I'm not ready for my promo. Who am I working? He thought I was Zandig. (laughs) Yeah, which you were not. Which was a hell of a compliment. I love Zandig. And then we uh, we finally get a ride. Shout out to our buddy Nicholson. Uh, He gave us a ride. It was me, Josh, and Drake. And we go to Taco Bell, and Drake ordered more tacos than I've, I've ever seen in my life. He ordered, like, like eight bags of tacos. Uh, and then the next day, uh, we all woke up, and Drake is covered in shredded cheese and le- shredded lettuce. That's a good night. Yeah, I never had a taco in my life. but uh, Drake ate enough for all of us. But, yeah, and then, you know, it's it's kind of, it was great to see, like, Drake, uh, you know, so party Drake, you know, transform into family sober drake pma drake which is um you know because there were some times where he was getting kind of dark and you didn't really want to be around him and to see the transformation that guy made in such a short amount of time like, is like once, once he moved to cali he was a whole different guy yeah like california saved that guy's life man and uh i'm so happy you know for you know what his life has turned into because Honestly, like there is not a better dude on the planet than Drake Younger. I I dare you to find we, somebody. To, we were so lucky. Like uh, we quit booking him because he got real dark and was not. He was he turned into an asshole. Uh, I'll say it because you know he's had such a renaissance. But uh, we booked Drake from California. We started booking him again, and then he got signed to WWE. So it was so awesome to have him back, uh, mean, clean, and serene, as he says. Uh, he was nothing but awesome. We booked him a couple times after moving to Cali. And it's Absolution, then, baby. It's Absolution, that baby. Is, that is uh, Drake Younger loves Absolution. Like he he loves the big indie shows, and yeah. he will still send me a text or write on my Facebook wall the day of Absolution. It just says it's Absolution, baby. And anyone that was ever in a locker room with Drake Young on an absolution knows exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, so anyways, we go to uh, the first time NXT ran Ohio as part of the Arnold and the uh, they ran the Agora in Cleveland. Like that guy kept coming up to us and just hugging us and thanking us for being there. And I'm like, this is you don't have to thank us for being here. This is WWE. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Drake Younger, fucking top-tier dude, like top five best dudes of all time. He can, he actually did come over to us at the Columbus Arnold, and he whispers to us, he goes, I want to hug you guys, but I can't because I'm on camera right now. But he's like, I'm going to send a shout-out to Jerry because Jerry's his favorite wrestler. He loves Soda Pop Johnson, <laughs> a.k.a. Jerry. Oh, God. All right, let's move on to our first female of the evening, Cherry Bomb. Oh, yeah, we ch- we tried to book her for a while. 
uh, at, the, at the beginning of GNO because she was friends with Haley Hatred. Yeah, Haley Hatred was really pushing for it because I think they did they, they cross paths in Japan or yeah. something. Um, so we book her, uh, we book her GNO four, and it just happened that we were looking for somebody for her to work, and there was a girl in Philadelphia that we had known of through like before she was in wrestling named Veda Scott. And so we're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. Uh, little did we know Veda Scott had only had three matches. Uh, and then so they're working the match, and uh, Cherry Bomb drop kicks Veda Scott headfirst into the ring post. Yeah, knocks her clean out in what was, I guess, her fourth match of all time. A fourth match, and I think her fourth or fifth concussion. But uh, And then, you know, there was uh, all sorts of other times where we tried to book her, and she canceled, and... Uh, yeah, it got real weird because we tried to book her a bunch of times. She had transportation and, issues and all sorts of things. So, you know, like once that stuff just starts happening, we just kind of, you know, forget. Kind of like well, washed our hands. Yeah, over. we just kind of forget you exist and we move on. And like there was never like because I know people bring her up uh, to us trying to make some controversy or something. We never had any problem uh, personally or professionally with Cherry Bomb. Just, well, professionally we had a problem that well, she yeah, didn't come. Well, yeah, she kept no showing <laughs> But, I mean, that's just the way it goes, you know, like, uh, you, you can't make it, you know, here's an opportunity, here's an opportunity, you can't make it, can't make it, can't make it, okay, we're gonna... Yeah, like, we can't keep the spot open forever for we're gonna We're gonna go book somebody else, and, you know, there's been times in recent memory... Probably where, the last, like, three Where, Gino. like, she's been on the consideration list, but, uh, you know, you never know, you know, she's doing fine, she doesn't, she's doing fine without AIW, so, uh, you know, if, if she's back, she comes back one day, maybe she'll be back, if not... I watch her vegan recipes on Snapchat, so I guess she's got that going for her. Yeah, I mean, I hung out with her husband at the Warp Door. All right, let's move on to a man that was supposed to be here a couple months ago, Chris Hero. Uh, fuck. I'm trying to think of... Oh, the first time we booked Chris Hero was our first kind of show after a big you know, breakup that split AIW up. Um, and we were Bryce Remsburg, I guess... I don't know if we've we've probably have talked about it, but Bryce Remsburg is kind of the guy that really, really, uh, it has been, you know, kind of a pillar in the success and the evolution of AIW, um, because he started kind of contacting us with carloads that you know he was gonna he was gonna have this guy, this guy, this guy who were you know all at the time he was always traveling with you know top tier independent guys, um, so. The whole reason why we booked our first show, it was in September of 2007, like the first show after we kind of split up apart from some former partners was because Bryce had said, hey, the TPI is running this weekend and we could, you know, you could get a carload on that Sunday of me, Chris Hero, Eddie Kingston and Jigsaw. I no, no, believe. no. Uh, Claudio Castanoli. Oh, Claudio Castanoli, uh, Cesaro. And, uh, so that's kind of what led us. Well, I mean, we'll probably cover the uh, the big split of AIW, maybe, maybe not. But uh, at the time, it became me and Thorne and two partners, and two partners did not want us to run forever. And we get this text from Bryce Remsburg, and it kind of forced our hand to say we Thorne and I wanted to run immediately because we just that's just how we are. But he caused us to start running, and it probably led to us, you know, surviving all these years. But uh. Chris Hero, man, can't speak highly of him, uh, more highly of him as a performer, but I just don't think uh, him and me will be exchanging Christmas cards this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's just... 
he's just a good, I mean, professionally, he's the best, but it just, uh, it just doesn't click. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with him. That's just a, him and him and Biggins do not do, do not do not ca- see eye to eye. On I don't things. think they care for each other too much. Me and Chris here are are totally fine, and I think that's kind of why you know there's guys that don't like me, and there's guys that don't necessarily like him, or I don't like that guy, or he doesn't like that guy. But we both kind of deal with different people, and uh, you know, I always you know kind of deal with Chris Hero, and uh, you know, he's he's a you know another one of those. He's one of those kind of top tier guys that you just don't see anymore. Um, no, and every time he's ever been in AIW, he's tore it up. Yeah, and you know he always, uh, you know he, like I don't know if it's because he's from that era, that golden age era of indie wrestling, or or what, but you know it just seems like there's a there's a tough time now of guys making their star rise to that level, um, and for but for whatever reason why they can or they can't. Chris Hero is always one of those guys where, you know, you book him or you put him on a show, it always kind of pops people's interest, you know, and people come out to see him, and he always goes above and beyond in the the ring. I don't think Chris Hero knows how to phone it in, um, and that's why, you know, he is, you know, considered one of those top-tier guys. Um, You know, he's still working just as hard as he did, you know, in 1999 or whatever it was, you know, whenever he started. Um, I think he's probably, you know, right now – um, in his in the prime of his career, which is you know pretty crazy to think about, because he has had he's put together uh, one of the you know arguably the best body of work on independent wrestling that you know out of anybody. Let's move on to the Brian Kendrick, a man oh, who's uh, my guy. in WWE right now. I will let Chandler Biggins take this one because I think Brian Kendrick is his favorite guy of all time. Oh, one of the fa- my favorite guys of all time. I've never met a man who is so similar-minded to me in conspiracy theories, which, you know, I, as much as into conspiracy theories as I am, Brian Kendrick's about ten times uh, more crazy. Which, which for people out there in the uh, the world of on-demand audio, uh, they don't really know how fucking crazy you are. <laughs> uh, they only kind of get to hear what uh, they hear in this podcast. But anybody that knows you personally outside of this podcast knows you're a fucking lunatic about conspiracy theories. Yeah, Brian Kedrick, man. Me and him were basically uh, these ready- dudes were fucking meant to talk to each other. <laughs> Next thing Thornton knows, we're going to be wearing, like, aluminum foil hats at the oh hotel. Oh, my God. These guys and the fucking ho- the holograms and the fucking Sandy Hook and the fucking peanut butter is not. Well, Sandy no Hook had it happen at the time. Whatever. This is what this is my experiences with you. Uh, fuck it. I know specifically that they talked about how nobody's really allergic to peanut butter. It's all uh, set up by the government yep. or something. And uh, he got a little crazy with the 9-11 stuff about it being holograms. And his proof was that Tupac uh, had just come out at that time as a hologram. So then that was his proof that 9-11 was a hologram. But, but. Brian, the Brian Kendrick, he was a part of uh, the very first Jaylet weekend. And he was he's kind of the he's kind of the reason why the Jaylet after party has become, uh, you know, so infamous or whatever over the last years. He's the guy that kind of set that whole thing off. You yeah, because uh, I, all I remember from that thing was. Uh, that was the year that Fruit Loop Vodka uh, came out, and yeah. oh, this is so embarrassing. We cleared, we cleared a couple bottles, probably a I whole don't case. Know. I think that was, I, I think you were really behind this Fruit Loop Vodka thing because you love, you love mixed vodka drinks, and I think you were really pushing this fucking agenda. Well, but all the girls brought it. I didn't buy any. Oh yeah, there were quite a few girls there because it was like the first like AIW uh, two day 
weekend thing. So uh, that was kind of, you know, he was a part and a big factor in the, you know, the first ever jail it kind of after party, hotel after party debauchery that, you know. And he was very, very clear because of his marriage to Taylor from Tough Enough that he will not partake, but he will watch like the honky tonk man. (laughs) <laughs> yes, he made a big speech at the beginning of the night about that. But I'm super happy to see him back. You know, in in the WWE, I think you know. Oh, I love him. He's probably one of the you know the better acts coming out of that cruiserweight classic. Um, hopefully, you know he's got a job for life there at some capacity at this point. Because I mean, the dude is fucking always been killer in the ring. Um, you know, if we were in a better financial, uh, I guess, state back then, you would have probably seen Brian Kendrick on every fucking show. But at the time, you know, just like Grado, we tried to justify three days for a flight. You know, he was from California, and that, you know, that expense for us at the time was above and beyond uh, like our means. Uh, we could, you know, barely afford to to make that happen. Uh, so if you know, we, if we were at a different spot back then, I think Brian Kendrick would have been given the full time AW contract. Because I mean, he did fucking awesome. You know, that Jaylet weekend, Jaylet 2012, uh, Russell and Donst and BJ Whitmer. Uh, he, you know, he was fucking phenomenal in the ring. And, you know, looking at him now, this, you know, even years later, he's still better, just as good or better than ever. All right, let's move on to Adam Cole. Uh, we just had him a couple times, I think. Yeah, this is a, this is definitely a big, a, a biggins move right here. Um, you know, this was, you know, before Adam Cole is the Adam Cole you all know now, Adam Cole was kind of like this young, hungry the Panama City Playboy. The, yeah, the Panama City Playboy. And you know, I know I know Mike versus Philly was really pushing this guy, you know, to come in. Yeah, and then we met him at um the Young Lions Cup. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that Eric Ryan was in. Yeah, so we booked him we booked him after meeting him. And like he was still just an up and comer. Because Tim and Kyle O'Reilly had like this fucking amazing match at that young amazing Lions Cup. Amazing feud. Yeah, but I'm saying at yeah, the yeah. time at that yeah, young yeah, yeah. at that Young Lions Cup, they fucking killed it. And we're like, let's book this fucking guy for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, That's how crazy it is to think about it. One time, Adam Cole was a young lion. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and we booked him, I don't even know how many times. I mean... I know he did a jail it one year. Uh, he did an Absolution, uh, Absolution 7. Yeah, I don't know, maybe we booked him three or four times. And what was crazy about the Absolution match is it's him versus ACH, and... Like, they were just two up-and-coming guys. Like, two outside, but up-and-coming guys. And now they're, like, you know, two of the pillars of Ring of Honor, probably. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, Adam Cole, great dude. Uh, really, nothing else to say about him. And, like, it just... it We were booking him, and then he went exclusive with ROH. And then there was a time that we were trying to get him through ROH, and it just didn't work out. But uh, definitely, you know, if he was still available and taking dates, we'd probably book him. All right. Let's talk about Uha Nation, aka you, Apollo Cruz. Uha, this guy came out of nowhere. We uh we booked him because we did a double header with Beyond Wrestling, and he was just he was there. Like, uh, and Drew is like, you got to book him versus AR Fox. Yeah, and uh, that was at like a real weird transitional time for AIW, um, and we just threw this random match on. Uh, Had no expectations. And, uh, you know, it was fucking awesome. Then, you know, we we were trying to do, like, this long-going feud, and then Uha got hurt. But Uha is another guy like Drake Younger where you're never going to hear one person say anything bad about that guy. That dude is, like, the, the most, most positive, positive right? happy person. 
person on the planet. Um, you know, another another guy, I'm, you know, super happy for success, like no dirt or any fucking, you know. I, I, think, the only, I think the only negative I could ever say about Yuha is just we were unable to book him more. Yeah, because he was just busy he, around he got, the world. It, it just was bad timing with injuries, and then... He would go from, like, Japan to Europe, back to Japan, like... It became so hard to book him because he was just, you know, so I think so, like every so time busy. we checked, he was in Japan or something. But I mean, we would try to, we would just, he's a guy that we would give all the dates to. And Uha Nation is a guy that would drive from Atlanta, uh, which I don't even know how far that is, but it sounds real fucking That's far. That's about to 12 me. hours, probably. Uh, and he would drive up because he was just one of those guys that was just all about, you know, making bookings and getting his name out there everywhere. He, he was could. a guy just hungry to make it. And I mean, I think it's awesome what's happened to him. But, you know, it, it sounds, you know, uh, kind of dumb or whatever, but, you know, unfortunately there's no dirt to tell on this guy or nothing bad to say. Like, And, like, we were lucky enough when he had inklings that he was going to go to the show, like, uh, yeah, like he, he hit us up and was like, I'll do, I can do He's like, more. I want to wrestle for you guys at least one more time. So, you know, we were able to bring him back uh, to wrestle Josh Alexander uh, for that, you know, that one random booking uh, in, like, February of 2015, I think, or 24. I don't know. 2015. Well, and like the whole thing with Yuha is like, you know, I don't think we were best friends with the guy, but he was just a nice dude, and he's always cool to talk to. And yeah, you know, like, we've, we've, like you, you know, know, I'll send him like DMs, or we'll DM every now and then. Send our like well that. wishes when he has something cool happen. Yeah, you know, but yeah, just the one of those great dudes. I don't think anyone would disagree. All right, final person since you're pushing on the end of the show. Let's go with, with a woman, Haley Hatred. Oh, oh the Golden Goose. The Golden Goose. <laughs> Where do we begin? Uh, she probably she probably drew more for us than probably anybody in history at AIW. Yeah, I mean, like not I, not crowd wise, but she is she was pretty much the pillar of our DVD business when AIW was just like all over the map with bad shows, like. Haley Hatred was the the thing that was bringing us attention for I don't know what like 2008 till I you know up until 2012. She definitely probably single handedly financed those years. Yeah, just like uh, just crazy crazy stuff. You know, um, she she had moved to I, I think we told the story about Matt Riot. You know, yeah, being the guy that got her in. So that was the GNO origin episode. Yeah, but then you know she she had moved to Cleveland and just became like to become a regular for AIW. She would just come hang out with us, and like she you know she moved here and she just became like a friend. You know we would just like she would come to parties and we would go to bars and like she was just like one of the dudes. Um, and you know her and I you know came up with this idea because we were like super good friends. Like hey let's do a feud and you know. Let's do some crazy matches. You know, we did the no rope barbed wire match, which that was that fucking hit made us so much money. And uh, that was like one of the craziest nights ever. Going back to like, you know, that theory of I'm just gonna do this really stupid shit because I don't have to pay myself, and I'm gonna hope that more people want to see that than see anything else. And we're like, what could be weirder than a death match? Then because at the time, intergender wrestling was not fucking happening. Yeah. Uh, at all. I think the only people doing it was Sarah Delray and Chikara. Yeah, very rarely, too. Like, So it was just like, let's do an intergender no ropes barbed wire match. First match. That was our, like, our first match that we ever did. Because I uh, think like, you attacked her, and that was the first. Like, yeah, and then 
like she's like well, this is escalating quickly it's just like at the time we weren't like we couldn't tell like a long drawn out let's build to this it was like people don't understand like it sounds so dumb but we were like fighting with all these other promotions locally over such a small fan base so it's like it you had to do like, you had to do whatever you could to, to survive, sell man. to sell tickets so it's just like yeah we're doing a man versus woman no rope barbed wire match next month you know what i mean and like that was so weird that you know that show drew fucking pretty good for us and then the the video sold like crazy and then uh the match that everyone really loves is when you know we did like the blow off match which was the dog collar match uh at absolution 4 and that was the most fucking painful thing that's i've ever experienced in my entire life cuz Haley hatred is no fucking joke uh but on top you know besides the, the matches i did with her you know she was fucking the whole reason why girls night out happened uh you know she was pushing the, the agenda to get women's wrestling in AIW uh, you know, she is pretty much responsible in the reason why we have a woman's division at this point. Yeah, uh, definitely, like, the pioneer behind it. Like, the people don't understand the contributions that Haley Hatred had to AIW uh, were pretty much life-changing as far as, you know, the, the business side of AIW goes and, like, what, you know, the, the foundation that she laid for us to, you know, evolve those ideas um you know girls night out is still such a huge part of our business and like what brings in money like girls night out a lot of times funds a lot of the regular shows um and that's you know that was really she was the driving force behind that um you know our her matches on youtube bring in so much money that we put up like that dog collared match has probably brought in, like, honestly, if I could put a, a ballpark number on it, just that one match alone has brought in fifteen to twenty thousand dollars for AIW over over the years, um, which is. And I think she had one of the best selling best ofs of all time. Yeah, she is just like, you know, she was so 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 important um, to to AIW and you know, so many other places. It's. You, like it's a shame that you know she is honestly vanished. Nobody really knows what happened to her. It's it, like you hear reports of oh she's here, she's there, but it's like Bigfoot. Like there was like she was supposed to potentially come to an AIW show last year. Like her sister had kind of reached out, and like that never happened. I think the last time it happened a couple times actually. Yeah, like, you, we heard rumors that. Oh, Haley's coming. And, and then- like, there was photos of her, like, in Ohio. Like, she's becoming, like, almost like a like a myth or something at this point. Um, you know, I think I heard that she lives in Japan. Like, honestly, this is th- no bullshit. I heard that she married, like, some fucking Saudi Arabian prince and, like, lives in and Japan somewhere. I've heard somewhere. she's had a bunch of kids, but nobody knows, and... Yeah, I I didn't hear that. I didn't hear the kid thing. I definitely heard the prince thing. Well, like, it's it's really a shame... That she's like we've never been able to tell her what she's meant to the company because she's because she just she yeah. just up and vanished one day, um, you know she came back I think in 2012 and we did we her and I did one more match, um, and I still you know I I think it, the last time we saw her was a month later at Absolution but we did her and I did one more match because you know she was around and she wanted to wrestle me one one last time. 
Uh, I wanted to wrestle her one last time because I was getting ready to just never, ever, ever wrestle again. I wanted to retire, and it just worked out because she was around. And uh, she, like, I'll never forget, it's still hanging on my refrigerator. She, like, wrote a note and hid it in my gear bag, like, thanking me for all the matches that we had. And she signed it GG, which stood for Golden Goose because that was our nickname for her because we called her the Golden Goose because she brought in she brought in so much money for us for doing these matches. And, I mean, she was doing them for nothing pretty much, you know, like just because she, like, liked AIW, wanted to help AIW. Um, and then she just, you know, she upped and vanished. I still have that. I still have that little note hanging on my refrigerator in in my apartment right now. Uh, but she was so important and it's a shame that she did disappear because you know how at that time the WWE was never going to sign a girl with her body type and and wrestle the way she did and now you know I feel like if she still would have been around she definitely would have had a place somewhere within the WWE system Uh, she just kind of you know she did very well in Japan she made a lot of money in Japan Uh, and then like I said nobody knows that 100% what happened to her but she supposedly married some sort of prince of some sort, uh, and you know she kind of vanished. It just makes me real sad. Like uh, you know, we never got to say goodbye or anything. It's just real because, like you know, we said on a personal level, she was our friend. And- yeah, people like people don't really understand that. Like we don't really um, develop too like good of personal bonds, too good of bonds or friendships with people outside of like doing business. But Haley was. She was pretty much like a member of the office in AIW. She would come to like meetings that we would have and like, like personal events and yeah. And like she would, you know, come to parties and birthday parties and, you know, like, hey, it's your birthday. Let's all go out. Hey, what are we doing for Halloween? Let's all go out for Halloween. You guys want to go out to eat or, you know? Yeah. And like, we, like she was in the crew, like she was definitely in the inner circle more than I would say 99% of the people that we even cross paths with today. Um, and she just, one day she just up and vanished, which is just so bizarre. Um, I do know she's alive though. Cause I seen a picture of her on Instagram at least a year ago. She was alive a year ago. That's all I know. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, still want to hire somebody to do a documentary on where in the world is Haley agent. Yeah. She is just what, like, she is so, she is so important to the history of AIW. I, people will never even understand. I wish she knew. Yeah, yeah. If we we honestly just wish she knew because she's probably a, a reason why this company was able to stick stick around during some super super. Tough and I time. would just like to see her on a personal level. Yeah, I mean, you know, great, you know, just uh, a great friend, great person. Uh, I wish. Who knows what happened? Yeah, I hope she's doing well. Uh, the most viewed. YouTube video on the AI wrestling YouTube page is the dog collar match between you and her. Um, 2.5 million views. Yeah. Like, could you imagine like back when you did that match at 2.5 billion people would have seen it? I couldn't, I wouldn't if that day, I wouldn't have been sure that two people were going to see that match. Yeah, I think like a hundred saw it that day. (laughs) 2.5 million as of this recording date. And uh, if you want to follow, if only if, if only anybody that viewed that match gave, if all of them gave us one dollar each, we would retire. Oh, and, yes. and if you want to follow John Thorne, little things in the corner of the video too. So I put that on. There. I'm trying to get up my <laughs> local celebrity game. Make John Thorne famous. That's perk of running the YouTube channel. <laughs> I thought it'd be across the screen, not yeah. in the bottom. Oh well, yeah. Well, I didn't fucking tag it Glenn Moore style. 
I just put a little corner on there. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up on that note. Rock your beautiful body, Glenn. We'll talk to you guys next week when the card is going to change. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, all the uh, podcast platforms. And we'll have another volume of the AIW uh, alum. So if we didn't get to your favorite or a person that you wanted us to talk about, there will be many volumes of AI alums. So like I said, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks. I hope Teddy Hart calls you.